Hey guys, Mina here. Just jumping in here to let you guys know we have something so exciting. It's a free masterclass and we created it just for you right now. We keep getting questions. How do I pivot and sell right now? The number one question we get is how can I make more sales? And so we want to teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. So if you want this totally free masterclass that we've created for product-based businesses, head over to pivotandsell.com. We'll see you in there. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlosita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the Product Boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my awesome co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitap. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today we are joined by a very special guest. We have Jahan Blake, and she is the CEO and founder of the J. Blake Group, and she's the host of Game of Her Own Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Jahan. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. So um, as an introduction to our listeners, tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. All right. So I started my business, uh, the J. Blake Group, about four years ago. Took a leap of faith from working in corporate and sports and decided that I want to go out on my own. So to take a step back and how I kind of got there, uh, I started my career in sports my first job was with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I, I still like pinch myself. I still have the first ID and the picture that I got. And I remember getting a key fob and they would let me in the building whenever I wanted to. It was one of those moments that like, I just, I'll, I'll never forget. Some people, uh, big day and they talk about it being their wedding. For me, my big day was getting my first job in sports and being able to come and go as I please at Fenway Park. Uh, so I worked at Family Park for eight years, loved it. What I noticed about myself is I don't like, I like going in, solving problems, and then moving on. Uh, so I felt like I was maintaining a program. So I kind of just, oh, I think I need something else. I want to do something different. And so I followed my boss out to LA to work for the Dodgers. Uh, same thing there, made some strides. Um, unfortunately, the owners got a divorce and it was an ugly time for our organizations. So I was only in LA for a year and then I moved out here to where I am now in Chicago uh, to work for the Cubs. So all under that same umbrella of customer experience, uh, fan experience, how do we make sure all of the frontline staff, uh, the employees are marching under the same umbrella, right? And are aligned to the brand promise. So uh, after about five years with the Cubs, I realized I don't want to move again. I met my now husband. Uh, I was ready to just settle down and start moving around the country. And uh, I thought, it's time. It's time to start my own business. I've always wanted to do it. I have become an expert in the fan experience. And I noticed that I can go to a team, go get work done for them for a year on a project, and then be gone and move to the next team and just travel. Uh, so I was ready to do that. And then self-doubt creeped in just a little bit. And somebody gave me advice that spoke to that fear that I was having at the time and told me, you know, before you are a consultant, you should go get consulting experience. <sighs> so I was like, yes, you're right. Because I just held on to that. And I was like, of course, if I do that, then I'll be better and smarter and faster and be able to do all the things. And I went to, I got a job with Deloitte, which is no easy thing to do. So I am proud that I got a job at Deloitte. But it was not the place for me. Great organization, not a place for me to thrive. Uh, so I was only there for a year before I, you know, um, I guess resigned and left. And then I, I took that leap of faith. I was on the phone with a friend who was sitting under a hairdryer. And I told her, I was like, do you want, I was joking. I was, do you want to hire a contractor for six months to help you on Super Bowl? And she like, kept calling me and calling me. And I was like, what? I'm under the dryer. And she's like, we need your help. She's like, we just want a new piece of business. 
my boss loves you. The NFL knows who you are as well. So if you want out, you want to start your own business, I have your first contracts for you. And then the rest is history. So I started my own consulting business, uh, work with organizations, sports organizations to help them align all their frontline staff um, to their brand promise. So think ushers, ticket takers, food and beverage people, uh, retail. Uh, so I work, go in, work with them. And then I noticed after a while that I was missing the, I was missing the helping my employees, right? So I only had contractors working for me. So I was missing the people coming to my office, asking for help. And I missed helping people grow within an organization and get exactly what they wanted out of their career. Uh, so a year ago, I said, well, just open another part to your business. It's your business. You can do whatever you want. So I started another part and I opened a career um, coaching side to the business. So I work with women uh, who are in the sports industry or aspiring to be in the sports industry, and I help them take their career to the next level. And I've been doing that for about a year. And I, I will say that is right now, that's where I'm focusing all my time due to the uncertain times that we're dealing with and no sports. Uh, so it's, it will, I will say it's the one thing that brings me so much joy. I mean, so fortunate that you had that idea a year ago to sort of develop that part of the business since sports are shut down right now. And that is um, Game of Her Own podcast is directed to that, correct? Yes, exactly. So it highlights women in in sports who are um, directors and above, and it highlights their journey to where they are now and how they got there and all of the lessons they learned along the way. They're willing to just share that uh, and empower other women as they're doing the same thing. And so when we, you know, when we met you, I think we were following you on Instagram. I'm not really sure. Um, but you were, you were in our world and I was just so in awe of the work you're doing because you were working with women in a very male dominated world and they have their places in power, but then there's also a lot of mindset that happens. And Mina and I are seeing that a lot also within the really high level women that we're coaching that no matter what, there's mindset that kicks in. And so we wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the mindset, mindset of women in business, mindset of women in these, in these positions of power ultimately. And I think a lot of times we also doubt ourselves, like, should I be a business owner? Am I a business owner? I didn't go to school for this is, you know, um, I was reading a book the other day, a business book and every reference they made was to a, a male founder. I was like, they don't have a single they don't have a single option here for me to look at a woman that's done something. So I think even in the, these business books that we recommend, they're oftentimes not written by women or for women or highlighting women. So I wanted to jump into that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would have put that book away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, speaking about um, mindset issues, I think that that's what women were kind of trained in a certain way to s- self-doubt ourselves a little bit more than our male counterparts. Are there things that you see at this level of women, even this level of women, because this is like top level women, right, that you work with. What are you seeing when it comes to their areas of mindset that you have to help them work through? You know, it, it's interesting. So the, the work I do with the women are anywhere from, you know, coordinator to a brand new executive, right? And so it's the group of women who are just ambitious, high achieving, and are ready to take their seat at the table or at the executive table, right? They're, they're ready to go in and, and be known and be recognized for the work that they do. And yes, every single time, one of my, you know, all of my clients have mindset issues, right? Um, a lot of it goes to some of the bigger things that I work with them on is just the, the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome, that, that's a big one. It just, as you are, when you're ambitious, I mean, let's be honest, we all, we all have it, right? We all have that self-doubt. We all have that imposter syndrome and it sneaks up at the worst time. Um, but that's a big one that I work on them with also advocating for themselves, right? Not wanting to, how do I ask for the raise, the promotion? How do I ask for more responsibility, right? How do I articulate the value that I bring to the table? Um, that's another big area leading a team. Uh, that's a, that's a tough place because a lot of people want to 
lead their team and have high performing teams, but they're always missing just a few pieces. They're so simple. They're just missing a few pieces to get them to that, that next level. And sometimes I, I've heard this a lot from women and, oh, I, it doesn't make me mad because I just want to be like, I, you are amazing. You can do this. They don't think they can do it because they haven't had experience yet leading a team. And when I look at um, my male counterparts and men that I have worked with, it was almost like they wanted the job more because they didn't have the experience. Like they were just like, I I got it. Like, and they kept it a secret. They didn't tell anybody and they just went in and they got it done. Uh, And so I know women can do the same exact thing and if not better. Uh, And then work-life balance is a big one and navigating uh, internal politics. So those are like the five areas um, that I really work with my clients on. Mm. What is navigating internal politics? Good question. So a lot of times, um, I give it. I'll give an example. I'm a storyteller, so forgive me. But uh, when I was hired to work for the Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, it was always to implement change. Right? Something's not working with our fan experience. We need you to come in and help us make change. And of course, there's a lot of resistance to change, especially from people who have been there for a long time. So, how do you navigate dealing with? the operations VP, right? C-level or director, whatever the level is, how do you navigate working with him? How do you get him aligned to the change? And I'm saying him because in my experience, in my client's experience, it has been, it's been men, right? So how do you align someone to the change that you're trying to make? Uh, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? You can't just take them out to lunch and think they're going to be on board with everything you do. Uh, so it's trying to get your new ideas and you're going to have new ideas and you're going to come, you're going to be so excited and you did it at your last organization and it was so well received. And then you get to this new place and you're like, no, we've always done it this way. Like that's not going to work. And they throw something at you that is like rooted in institutional knowledge about the place that you didn't even know. And they just kind of set you off. So I like to set up, help my clients set them up for success when they hit those roadblocks because they're going to hit them. I feel like this idea of navigating internal politics can be also used within like a husband wife scenario because I feel like we see a lot of times the, the idea of, and again, we're coming at this right now for women. I know we have a male audience, but right now we're just talking about this is like um, oftentimes our students or clients will have started a business and it was a hobby they were still able to manage the other things that they were originally doing, or maybe they were working full time. And then all of a sudden this business starts to grow and they have to say like, I'm going to leave my full time job or I need more childcare because I'm going to go do this. And you have to kind of navigate that internal politics with like that structure that you initially established with your spouse versus, um, you know, kind of now. And again, it's kind of rooted in something old school. This is how it was. This is the agreement we had when we started. And now, now you have a business that you need to lean into. So I feel like that, even though maybe a lot of us are, you know, solopreneurs and don't have the VP we have to check in with. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I could apply that to home life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because you were talking about the fan experience, right? Aligning the fan experience for the whole company. And I think that when we move from, let's say, solopreneur, the wife that's working, to kind of a CEO of a business that we've built, we have to align the experience for our customers, but we have to do it through our team. And that's been really hard. I even see that with myself, right? I actually never saw myself as a leader until COVID-19 hit and Jacqueline was like, we're leaders here. We need to help everybody. And for me, I kind of resisted that. Just like how everybody resists change some way, shape, or form. I didn't see myself as a leader. Now I did see myself as a CEO. So the the you know, that closing that gap for me was a little bit easier because I was like, okay, turns out I, you know, love leading people through coaching and helping them. Um, but I think that's a really big thing with women is that that differentiator, they actually have to step into the identity a little bit. And the same way, probably with the men that were in that corporation, that they're like, oh, I have to step into this new identity of this business that you want to change, this company you want to change. So how do you, in your, with your clients now, what is, is it a continual process? What do you have them work on first when it comes to 
helping them, you know, through these roadblocks? You know, so if we're, we're still on um, navigating internal politics, when it comes to that, it's understanding your who all the players are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a very visual person. So I'm like, okay, let's start to write down the names of who they are. And I have little stick figures and we, you know what I mean? Like what their title is and what, um, you know, how they, how, why do you have to work with that person? Like, why is that, why is that important? Why are they important to the success of your job? You can't do it without them. They're not going anywhere. So how does that work? So that's the number one thing um, is understanding who all your major key stakeholders are, major players. And then from there, it's, okay, you have these great ideas, but you came up with them yourself. So I think you got to do a restart almost and take everybody along for the ride, right? So it's not about you like coming in with this great idea and being right. It's you trying to get it right. So let's talk and like I always tell them to socialize all their ideas, especially with the ones who are going to be your biggest roadblocks. Because then when you start to involve them and it more, it's more of a collaboration versus you, versus you dictating the idea, just because you're the new person with the new fancy title and you get the big budget, doesn't mean you get to do all the things that you want to. So once you get them you know, on your side, then they become your biggest advocate. So they, came, they change from your biggest you know, challenge roadblocks, your biggest advocate. And that, and that does take time. And what I'll do is, you know, I'll work with my clients on, okay, you know, today we're going to go talk to Bob about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's, he's not going, you got to listen, right? You got to go in and listen. Bob's not your boss. He doesn't get to tell you yes or no. And you're just going in through the lens of like learning and talking. You're not asking him if you can do something, but you're asking him for input on what to do. And then you may have to go back the next week. And so that change, everyone keeps saying change takes time. Well, yes, because we're inside trying to work on the people, <laughs> the key stakeholders that are kind of slowing us down a little bit. Uh, and then what does really, I will say truly, when you start to break those people down and get them on your side, um, there, it was, it's 95% of the time is fear-based, right? They were resistant to change because of fear because they didn't understand. They don't have self-awareness in terms of why they're reacting the way they do. Uh, so my clients are able to work closer with them as they start to launch these products and you do or, or these projects, but you do get really, you do get really good ideas from these folks as well. Right? So you're saying listening, going mm-hmm. in, talking about like maybe the change, listening to their ideas on it. And then, and then you incorporate that on your pitch or like, where does that shift over to? Yes. So they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that was my idea. You're a genius. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There have been times that, that that's actually happens where I'm like, I have all these ideas, but I let the, I let a group um, and I knew, you know, I was a new person coming in. Their boss was gone and their program was being folded into mine. And so I just went in with a big whiteboard and just let them talk. And what do you think we should do to improve your program? And so every idea I had, maybe except like two, they said, but I never once said, oh, I had the same idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're already working on that. I just listened and let them talk about all about it. And then when we packaged up and like rebranded this program, they felt invested in it. They felt like it was mm-hmm. their program. It wasn't the new girl's program who was coming in and telling us what to do. She actually asked us what we should do. And we told her and then they built it and then they were invested in it and wanted it to succeed which was good because there was a revenue goal tied to that one. <laughs> so it was very important. Yeah. I love it. I'm like thinking, how can I manipulate my husband? <laughs> thinking that, all the ideas are his. I think she, it wasn't manipulation. It was socializing the idea. I think you called it that. <laughs> um, and I do, I think it's brilliant because it's like, you're getting people to rally behind you. And the more they feel like they have the power to shape what's going to happen, the more possibility that they have of rallying behind you because they're like, Ooh, like we're, we're ahead of the same place, but I contributed to that place, yes. you know? Um, but yeah, it's, 
so smart. And <laughs> it's really relevant to, we were just telling you that we got off some mastermind calls and uh, one of the masterminders was talking about her team and she's had this team in place. I know that's another mindset thing, but she's had this team in place operating the way they've been operating forever in their own ways. It's not structured, right? But if she came into it in this way that you're kind of saying and asked for the feedback and was like, we have to really get some systems put in place. Um, what do you guys see? And again, she may have seen it. She may not have seen it. And then by reflecting it back, then they're invested into this, into the business, into the structure and kind of leaning in and being like, oh, I was heard. And this is making my job even better. Yes. It's such a, and it's, it's incredible to think that I've watched presidents of organizations have feedback sessions and do all of the talking. So I'll ask you for feedback, but then I'm going to tell you why that's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. And so it defeats the purpose. So when I go in, it's, all right, here are the topics I want to talk about. Um, Here, you know, and then we have always have an open one just for anything we didn't think of. Uh, And then, you know, talk to me, say whatever's in your mind. And I'm literally, I'm, I'm their secretary. I'm writing it down. I'm just, and asking them questions and probing. And even if I know, like, yeah, okay, we're already doing that, but let me ask some more. And then sometimes I get good ideas out of it too. And then at the very least, everyone's invested. But the key is, and I think some people miss the mark uh, because they're they're the leader, they're the boss, they're the, the CEO, right? And this is their baby. They want to defend things that are happening already or say why they can't do something in that moment. And that it's not the time. It's the time for your employees to tell you what to do. Yeah. Also, I I love that you said that that resetting the team. I think there even the example that Jacqueline was giving. There's probably right now is probably when she needs to reset her team, right? And we feel that in different ways of you know if there's like things falling through the cracks, you do need that reset. But it's like how do you do it? And so just having this, okay, I feel like the team needs a reset. Things are happening that I don't want to happen. So what do I need to do? Well, feedback meeting, that's step number one. And that is brilliant because then people can contribute where they're seeing the cracks and how they can be filled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about some of these other things that um, some of your, you know, your clients are dealing with in terms of these ideas of these, you know, five or six, like high level mindset issues. So another big one is sort of that self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this something you touched on before, which Mina and I talk about is the idea. I think Mina had read it somewhere where a, a job position is open and a man could be what 70% qualified for it, but he's like, I've got it. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And a woman can be 70% qualified for it. And she's like, I'm not a hundred percent yet. So I, I'm not actually, I'm not appropriate. Yeah, for this. I need to learn that 30%. I need to get a degree. I need to, you know, she's looking at the, what, where she doesn't meet up and the man is thinking, I'll just figure it out. I'm pretty much perfect. 70%. What is that? A C level, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. So we yeah. see that a lot, right? There's that self-doubt that comes in and there's that we're, we're always looking at the void or the lack versus the like the abundance that we actually do have that we're bringing to the table. So um, would you mind talking to our listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. And I'll, I'll start with the story because that's what I do. But my job, so I was in that same boat, right? Um, I, yes, I was an executive in sports, and but I still had self-doubt. And so my time at the Dodgers was over. There was about 15 of us who were out just figuring out what we were going to do next. And I read an article on, um, a friend sent it to me on ESPN.com about Tom Ricketts, the owner of the Cubs. And he said, I really want to hire a chief hospitality officer to help us at the Cubs. And my first instinct, knowing I have all this experience, my first thing to say was, oh, am I ready for a C-level yet? This probably isn't for me. And luckily my boss at the time, um, use a C level as well. Uh, he was like, "Yes, this is your job." I was like, "Okay, you're right, absolutely." And like, I emailed the owner of the, there was no job description. I emailed the owner and the president, and then also sent them an overnight letter and had a job interview a week later. And then two weeks after that, I had a job. But my first instinct was to say, "Well, okay, I'm you know I'm an executive, but I'm not like C level yet, so." I don't, I don't know, but, and that's the sort of things I will help my clients work through, right? Whether it's a project or 
um, whether you're getting ready to lead a meeting, uh, wh whatever the case may be, when that self-doubt creeps up, and I can't be there all the time, although all my clients have access to me all the time via Voxer, but still, right? Like I'm not there all the time and usually self-doubt creeps up when it's like late at night <laughs> when you're by yourself. And so what I always tell them to do is get really curious about why you're feeling that way. Like, what is it? Like, I didn't do that when I was trying to get that job at the Cubs, but during my time at the Cubs, I started implementing that. Um, for me, it was a time when I had no muscle behind me anymore. I came there on my own. I was the only person there. Um, and so, you know, I started to get curious about why I was feeling the way I do. So that's what I tell my clients. That's the first thing. Don't just pack it up and put it in the back of your head. It's going to come out even stronger and bigger next time. So get curious, write it down and then give it a little bit of life. Just, just talk about it, right? So for me today, I was nervous before coming on this podcast and I was walking the dogs with my husband. So let's just go for a walk. And by walk, we just went outside. But still, like we were standing there and he goes, well, why are you nervous? And I go, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm not gonna, I'm gonna sound stupid. And he goes, what? And I just started laughing. And he goes, I'm pretty sure they are not gonna have a podcast where they try to make you feel stupid and you know what you're talking about. And I was like, Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm good. I'm good. And then I was, I was fine, but I had to acknowledge that I had the feeling. Then I had to say it out loud or write it down if nobody was home. And if I were done by myself, I did the same thing. I'm like, you know what you're talking about. This is your business. You got this. But I just acknowledged it. And so I tell people to do that. And then after they have the big meeting or the interview or whatever they do, I always say, write down your biggest win right away, what your biggest win is. And then also say one thing you would do differently. Right. And so what my clients are starting to see is that they're starting to see themes emerge. So I have one client and she's starting to see that she is, um, she's type A and she wants to control how every single meeting goes and what people say and how they react to what's going on. And I was like, wow, you've rooted a lot of your happiness and success in what other people feel. I was like, it's going to, and she's really junior in her career. I was like, it's going to be a long career for you if this is it. Like, we have to spend some time just working through that. And so I, you know, I was like, this is, you're creating your own playbook is what I call it. So let's create this playbook together. I'm going to work through it and you're going to look back a year or two years from now. And this is, it's going to be a lot easier for you. It's, you're going to always have self-doubt, but you're going to be able to manage it to the point where this becomes routine for you. I mean, I think you're a genius PS. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So many of these things <laughs> you're saying are like, <laughs> light bulb moments. And I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. So here, let me just ask you a question. It's a total side note, but how did you become so smart at this whole mindset thing? Was it just because you worked your way through it? Because these points that you're giving are so incredibly useful and so systemized in a way. And is it just the way that you think and you were able to kind of document it and then teach other women? Yeah. So it's the way it's just, it's natural to me. So I would just do things to always just like want to, like, how do I self-care? How do I make myself self feel better? And I think this is part of the reason why I wanted to start being a coach is because I wanted, I recognized that I was getting in my own way and I wanted a coach, but there was no coach for like directors. It was like high level executive coaching. And I was like, you need coaches to help people get to the next level. This is where people are falling off and or leaving and going and starting a different career. Uh, so that's where I need help. So I, I mean, I couldn't afford an executive coach and other people had the opportunity within my organization um, to get a coach. And so I just was like, okay, I'm going to just intuitively would start, you know, writing things down, talking about misses, talking about wins. And this is kind of before Instagram was what it is now. There was no coaches and people talking about journaling and all this stuff. So I just would try things out. And the, the great thing about it is I had a really big team. So people who came to me, I was like, hey, I'm trying this. Do you want to do that as well? See if it works, you know? And so I, I had these, I didn't really realize it at the time, but looking back, I had these like test subjects, including myself, who just kind of worked through these things and realized they work. And then now I get to share them with my clients. It's amazing. I think it also is aligned with the fact that you're in the sports industry because there's such a elite um, mental game 
to people that are really excel, like the Olympians, for instance, use a lot of visualization. I think it's really natural to you because when you speak, you talk about the playbook, you talk about the next steps, you talk about the next barrier. Um, and for us, I think using that metaphor, using that um, parallel image in our minds is super helpful. I don't see myself as an elite, you know, athlete by any means, but definitely have similar mindset issues when it comes to getting to the next level and whether that next level for other people would be, you know, an athletic ability or Olympics or whatever. Um, For the solopreneur, even the maker, a lot of times it is just thinking about that next level of business that they're reaching for and what it takes to get there. Yeah. I mean, like, like you're saying from director to executive and like how you didn't think that you were C-level and you're in your coaching your clients on this level of like, basically the, um, what's the word corporate (laughs) (laughs) so far removed from corporate. So far out of this. Um, but like the, the corporate mentality, which, and I think this is, this is something we see within our world is the maker mentality into boss or the maker mentality into stepping into their role of CEO of their business and that high level thought process because they came out at this one point of making and doing all the things of being the person at the trade, the craft shows and things like that to then being able to run a team. So, you know, there's, there's something missing. There's, we don't learn this in school. Mindset's not in school. When I went to fashion school, it was a four year, only in our senior year, did they touch on business and never was it about how to run your own business, how to have your own business, or even like the idea of how to grow, right? They were really trained us into being like, you're going to go be the designer for this company, but not mm-hmm. it, growing, growing. And I know that comes with time, but again, for women, I say, because of my own, my own um, role models in the past, I didn't actually have women, female role models of being CEOs, founders, running their own businesses, you know, women who worked in my world were women who worked at schools as teachers, you know? So I think that these examples, um, which is why I think I I love your podcast because we also get to see into the minds of these, like you're dropping names, like the Dodgers and the Cubs. I mean, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like these are like, it's, 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 we can relate and and think how big that is. Uh And even at that level that the mindset stuff is popping up. Yes, at all levels. And it's so interesting because I've had people tell me like, well, I'm not even in sports. I don't want to get into sports, but the stuff the women are talking about applies across like the board, across industries. Like, so I find it really interesting, especially to hear women um, at, at, you know, VP levels. I'm about to interview my first uh, C-level. So there's a, a new podcast over on episode 12, but it's so exciting to hear all the women and we talk about the same stuff but how they handled it unique to them. Mm -hmm. Do you work with women? Do you coach other women that are not necessarily in the industry? Yes. So I I will work with women outside of sports for sure. I've had some people reach out to me and just need help, especially in sports. And I I really should say sports and entertainment uh, because that's where I find there's a lot of similarities. Amazing. So one other one I just wanted to touch on really quickly was the idea of the mindset of like the work-life balance mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. as a selfish question. <laughs> <laughs> Not so selfish. I think it's for everybody. You know, no, yes. everybody has a grasp of that. Yes. So I like to, when that is a, a problem that my clients are having, I really like to take a step back, right? Cause they're always like, let me like, how do I, I work so much. I don't get to see my husband. My husband's mad. He's going to kill me. Then my boss doesn't care. And it's the business we've chosen. So we're busy. And like, it's just, everything is swirling in their heads. And so I like to take a minute and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna ask you to do an exercise. And I just, I, I just need you to slow down for one minute. I promise once we do it, we can move full steam ahead really quickly, but it's getting clear on what's important to you. So getting clear on what's, what matters most and give them this exercise and they start to write all these things down and then they can see, well, really I can see. So they're finished, they give it to me and I read it and then I can see what things are important. Is it having, is it the salary or is it your, your children? Is it the, you know, is it 
working every single game? Like, is that something super important to you? Somebody who's in baseball, it's 81 home games. So just really understanding where, how you rank things. And then I can work with the women to figure out how we start to establish some boundaries. Right. So that's the most important thing. So you know what's important to you because at the end of the day, if you are saying yes to something in your professional life, you're most likely saying no to something in your personal life. So we, I work with them to figure out what, what's okay to say yes to, what's okay to say no to, where we can trim some fat here and just make sure you're doing things that are fueling you and making you feel your best version of yourself. Right? Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of women, myself included, deal with guilt. Like when you do that priority list, you feel a little bit guilty of how things stack up because you, like for me, at least I feel like I need business because it's a part of me, you know, but that doesn't mean that I love my children less, you know? So I think that that's what we see pop up a lot of times for women versus men because they don't deal with the same guilt of, well, does this mean this then, you know, because you're working all the time, right? And so... Um, I love that you say that because it just gives a little bit of clarity, but a little bit of guilt-free clarity, especially with working with you who understands the industry. And I think that that's sometimes people, what people need is a little bit of permission and guilt-free clarity when it comes to assessing what their goals are. Because I pretty much will not do th- anything that's not attached to a goal. And for some people that seems like, ooh, that doesn't seem right or, you know, a certain way, like how they live their life, for example. Mm-hmm. So, um, but for the sports industry, there's always goals <laughs> yes. and entertainment. Yes. Yes. That's so, I mean, that's so important. You have to, I, I love that attach, you know, you don't do anything that's not attached to a goal. And I actually try to do that in my, in my business as well. Like every single day, like, well, what does this get? Like, how is this helping you, you know, work with more women? How is this helping you get towards your goals? And so, I mean, it's really important to have that. Do you have women that tell you that like when they're telling you their priorities or what's important and they put work at the top above their kids that like, do they, do they ever, do, do you see that? Does there, or is it like kids then work, but then work is this. And I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how do you navigate that when it feels so pulled between like, especially people who are working in their professional life and trying to build a career? Mm-hmm free kids and then kids come along, which you want, but then there's the idea of like, well, but I also want to build this business and like how to navigate that. So nobody, I haven't had anybody say work before kids. I, Do you think I have, would ever say that? Do you think any? I, I mean, if it's out of their mouths truthfully and you did it hour by hour and you're like, well, this is what you're saying. And they said yes or no you know, to it, then maybe that's a true representation, right? Hour by hour, this is how you're spending your time. And if I were to discern what your priorities are, here's what they are. And then I think that men would probably be okay with the fact that, oh, it is work because I'm providing. Women would be like, like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible mom. You know, like they would feel completely awful. And I I know if you're listening, these sounds like generalizations, but we're just, (laughs) we're having a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Exactly. It's a conversation based off of our own experiences. <laughs> I do. No. So in terms of women though, putting, saying men, I mean, saying men first, saying, you know, work first before children. I haven't, I haven't had that, but I do have, I don't want children to impact my career negatively. I have trouble, like the guilt, the guilt thing is real. Like it, I mean, it's so real and I, I don't have kids. And so I have to do a lot of, you know, asking a lot of questions to really get in their head and see where they are. And what I see is everybody is, is so unique. Everyone has that overarching like guilt issue, but then it's unique. And then we start to break it down. We realize, oh, okay, you want to spend time with your, it's almost like the same level. You just want to put the same effort you want to into work as you do into your family and your children. And work is very important to you. Um, and so sometimes it's as simple as just outlining what your ideal work week would look like and giving that to your, to your boss. I mean, it's just putting it in writing and testing it out and seeing if that works. Okay. That's it. Work. Let's tweak a and B and okay. And just finding what works for you because I, you know, 
I'm sure there's lots of, you know, I've seen them all, the different um, downloads you can have to have the, you know, have a guilt-free life working with children. And I just, I think it's got to be very specific and very unique to the individual to figure, to figure that out. So to our listeners, you guys, what would your ideal work week look like and give it to yourself? <laughs> Cause most of you probably don't have a boss. If we're talking about the No, the- no, no, no. Give it to your children. <laughs> They're your bosses. You will go to sleep at this time. You will wake up at this time. You will not bother me in the mornings. I don't know about you, but I got some bosses around here. <laughs> so funny. And but that's a really good point. You do have your children are, uh, you're working for them and they are your boss. So it's almost giving yourself some grace too. Yeah. I'm going to try this out this doesn't work. What was I thinking? Like, they're never going to go to bed at this time. You know what I mean? Like, they're never going to leave me alone in the office during this time. Okay. okay, What do I have to do to tweet that so I can work from home on this day, get work done, but also, um, you know, keep my kids at bay. And so that might mean something is getting a nanny once a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just finally told my sister to do it. I was like, just get a nanny, hire them. They're not working because of COVID and everything is closed. So get the nanny from the daycare and you can get some work done. And she's yeah. like, Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Cause she's so into her work and trying to watch a baby at the same, at the same time. Yeah. And I would say if that doesn't work, do Jahan's idea of socializing the idea. If your kids are old enough, sit them down, get their feedback. What time do you think is a good bedtime for you? Oh Yeah. 11 p.m. Let's see how that works, you know, and get them to rally behind you. <laughs> yes. And the same thing and involve your husband in that conversation too, right? Like just get everyone behind that plan This is the true test right here. <laughs> and I think also what, what I'm seeing people having to navigate, um, depending on where they are, is the idea of working from home and potentially homeschooling from home. And everybody having to navigate this idea of working while your kids are, you know, when, when before maybe we had our, our time to work, even if you're like, I work from home, my husband would go to work. I knew my time. So I think it's that idea too, of thinking about what would the ideal week look like? Do you want to do bedtimes? Then you're done by bedtime, right? And you do bedtimes, or do you want to be up and being the one with breakfast? Or do you want to stop work and go have lunch with everybody? You know, so thinking or, or take full days off you know, and then kind of deciding. So I love, I love these tips. Like they're so tactical that you've given. Um, I can only imagine what it's like to work with you because even just from like a couple tips, it's like yeah, life-changing. Oh, yeah. thank you. I'm happy to hear even the, the women at the elite level are having, you know, cause you look kind of from the outside and you think she has it all together. She worked for the Dodgers. She worked for the Cubs. Um, you know, she, Uh, has this career and you think, oh my gosh, how does she do it? I must be missing something. Mm -hmm. And you realize that everybody has the same mindset issues within every single industry. And it just happens to be um, in their own way though, you know? Yes, exactly. And I think the women who we see that are on the executive level and keep climbing are acknowledging those, those mindset issues and not ignoring them, taking a minute and doing whatever's unique to them to just make sure, okay, I got this issue. I have to figure it out in order to get to the next level. It doesn't have to be like, you know, two years of therapy. Like it can just be something simple. As I was saying, creating your own playbook, writing it down, meditating, working out more, something that's unique to you that makes you feel better, but just being able to acknowledge it and be self-aware. And that's the, the key thing I see with all of the women I've been interviewing is, and I've just known in my, my 18 year career is they are, everyone's very self-aware. Hmm. I love that. And working on it, I guess something yes. doesn't get fixed if you don't work on it, I suppose. <laughs> Seems yes. so simple, but it's so true. It's true. And we're all a work in progress. Like it is okay. Like we are not going to be perfect. And that's a a big thing I work on my clients with is letting go of perfection. I am a recovering perfectionist. Life is so much better now that I have acknowledged that that is one of the, the roots of some of the stress and unnecessary anxiety that I had, uh, you know, throughout my whole career. And once I let go of that perfectionist perfectionism thing, I mean, things, things, just out of curiosity, because I hear that all the time. I'm a recovering perfectionist. That saying, I've never heard it from a man ever. 
No, I have not heard it from a man either. <laughs> they don't care if they're perfect or not. Exactly. The they story earlier. That's right. 70% is good enough, right? Whereas women is like, with women, the moral of the story was, you know, we're always trying to do perfect 100 in order to apply for a job. I don't know. When, it might be 110. Yeah. Right? Yes, it I'm, is. It's true. And we're so much harder on ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So we're highlighting all of these things just from a mindset perspective um, to kind of bring this forward. And I know that everyone has their own opinions here and and has their own mindset things. And so hopefully this resonates with a lot of you. Um, Jahan, we asked some questions at the end of our podcast. They're quick fire. Are you ready? I'm so excited. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, And some of these may or may not apply during a time of COVID, but let's go back to a time pre-COVID when like, you know, we could leave our houses and go places. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what is your coffee order? Oh, my coffee order actually is an iced coffee from down the street with black with a, two pumps of hazelnut. Delicious. So um, what is the favorite thing on your desk? Favorite thing on my desk, I would say is my post-its. <laughs> if you can see how many packs of post-its I have and my wall is full them because I always have an idea and I have to get it out of my head in order to keep working on whatever I'm working on. So I would say post-its for sure. I think that might be another thing I might do is start to just write. I mean, it's like sometimes maybe you don't boxer and uh, <laughs> like, okay, I'll start boxering myself. <laughs> yes, that's what this is. It. <laughs> These are boxers. But I love you phrased something earlier and you said you need to vocalize something to give it life. And then you're able to see it. And I love how you phrase that because I think that that's a lot of times what people have to do. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it explained that way. So I love that. It's, it's swirling in your head and it's just, you can't, you don't, you don't understand it because it's just up here. And once you say it out loud or write it down, um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of gives it life and you can actually start to, to knock it down, if you will. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. So finish this sentence. When I pick up my phone, I... Oh, I go to Instagram. <laughs> That's like the winning answer. Um, so bad. You wish you knew how to. You know, I really wanted to say fly. I don't know why. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Amazing. I know that's not realistic, but I would love to fly. Um, what was the last show that you binge watched? Ooh, Insecure. Mm-hmm. Good one. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, you have to watch it. It's really good. She's, yeah. oh, it's really good. Uh, what should the title uh, in your email signature actually say? Mm, this is the clean podcast. We're not allowed to curse. <laughs> so I would say, um, why don't we just call it, why don't we just say boss? <laughs> okay. This was the part that you were going to curse at. <laughs> <laughs> And then do you, and this is actually kind of appropriate, but maybe you don't. Um, so it might be a past question or even now, do you have an alter ego or stage persona? Oh, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is it. This is what you get. Same person on stage, on the phone with my in-law, like the same person all, all around. Do you think before you started doing this work, when you kind of started moving up in the ranks, did you have to have one to kind of like go into the room and take your ownership of the room? You know, it's a really good question. And I did. And I didn't, I never liked her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never felt like that was authentic. What I was trying to do was be how I thought everyone else was. Well, I didn't think that's how they were. So I was like, well, these people are moving up. This is how I have to act. This is how I have to do and have to talk. And oh, for crying out loud, it's enough to drive you mad. Like this is just not who I am. And so you interviewed me, so take it or leave it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I definitely, I just try to always the same version um, of me. Amazing. Yeah, love that. And do you have a favorite or most used emoji? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's usually, I have really great friends and family who make me laugh. So it's just the, the crying, laughing emoji. Uh-huh. It, I mean, all, all of the time. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. And we very much believe that entrepreneur years are like dog years. You learn a lot very quickly. What would you say to baby Jahan now that you're further in your career? I do not let go of uncertainty. Just let it, let it go. 
It is okay. And don't eat pizza because you're feeling you can't control the uncertainty. <laughs> that's why you're eating so much pizza. So that's definitely what I would go back and say. I love that. Well, there's so many so- quotables in this podcast. Episode, <laughs> let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> um, don't eat pizza. Will not be one of them over my dead body. Um, so thank you so much, Jahan. Can you tell our listeners where to find you and support you? Yes. Yeah, so they can find me uh, on Instagram at Jahan Blake. Uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Jahan Blake. And then my website is thejblakegroup.com. Okay. Amazing. We'll link that all in the show notes. And thank you so much for being on. This has been incredible. Yes. Thank you for having me. You guys are so much fun. One last thing before you go, we created this podcast as a reminder, you are not alone. Growing a product business is hard and we want to help you through it. So thank you so much for listening. And we truly, truly appreciate it. And we want to give a special shout out to those of you that have left a positive review. Thank you. We read every single one of them, including this one from Maureen of Blythe Bobbles. Maureen says, life-changing real results. Where do I begin about these two truly inspiring and insightful women? Jacqueline and Mina are the perfect combination of smarts, humor, sophistication, empathy, professionalism, and down-to-earth scrappiness. I found them when they were interviewed on another podcast, and since then, I think I have become addicted. Is that weird? Ha. The information they provide in their podcast alone is invaluable, but I highly recommend you also join their Facebook community on Facebook. When I found them, my then side hustle business was floundering and my social media was as well. Not too social. I felt old, out of touch, and not like a real entrepreneur. As I've implemented what they have taught me and been involved with them and those in their community, I not only believe in myself, but I've seen so many positive forward-moving changes in my business. From mindset to systems to sales, the progress is real, and I owe it all to these two women and community they have built. They show up even during a global pandemic. Their direction gets results. Listen to their podcasts, join their social media communities, participate in their challenges. When you can buy their courses, I did, and I am not looking back. Thank you so much, Maureen. I think I might cry. That was seriously an amazing review. So thank you so much to Maureen for leaving that for us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you. I'm kind of speechless. So as you all know, we love reading these and these really help us reach more people and help more small businesses, which is our mission. They get to read reviews like this and decide, do they want to listen to this podcast? And Maureen has helped them with that decision. So thank you. Hey guys, wait, before you go, we want to remind you that we've created this incredible masterclass. It is totally free. It is our pivot and sell masterclass where we are going to teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. You do not want to miss this. It's totally free. So Mina, where should they go? Go to pivotandsell.com and you guys can get that free masterclass and get started on creating a plan to boost your sales right now.